0: Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak, I'm still in love with life.
1: From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking state of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's another mid-month chat with Danielle and Rich, including batshit crazy believers versus master bullshitters. The return of Jesus and God to an Inuit tribe leads to nothing pleasant happening at all. Good behavior used as a ninja ploy to fool authority, Taoist parenting, questionable financial advice, and the fine notion why live like a slave when you can be an outlaw. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Danielli Volelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Towers Podcast, begins now. Welcome back everybody, episode 111, 111 of the Drunken House Podcast. Can you, they just stacking it up, it's like...
0: Amazing how time flies. I know, man. Four and a half years. That's quite something. Well, Daniele Bellelli. Let's go play with episode 111. Excellent. Um, What do we do? We say thank you to some of the people who have been supporting us all along. You guys for listening. Uh, Those of you guys who donated or bought... uh, things like the t-shirts or use amazon you rock that's yes, awesome you do. and if you haven't been able to do any of these but you tell other people to listen that's also sweet so also of course datsu sara with the coolest hemp gear on the planet i just gave to my dad as a gift uh, we got one each before the datsu hemp wallet yep very fancy very cool and of course, you know, I, I really, really like Chris O'Dell as a human being. I like his philosophy. I like his products. I like everything about that Susara. So it's very easy for me to fangirl about it all, not just because he has been supporting us, but for everything else. So awesome company. If you have extra money, you need a bag, backpack, travel bags, Mar jujitsu gi, any of the above, just check out. Uh, dsgear.com and there's a code in the episode notes that i always forget that gives you a discount so check out the episode codes uh the episode notes at um, drunkentaos.com of course also code available for discount for onnit product o-n-n-i-t um i've been just recently my dad is visiting he's in town and we um I try to give him the powder form of Alpha Brain. He's a fan as well. Really? He said he worked awesome. Like he was completely zoned out from uh, the jet lag. He said, "Whoa, that thing woke me up for the next 12 hours. I was on." So yes, I like it. You see the kitchen? It. He went
1: crazy, like top to bottom, cleaned it. It's a uh, yeah, there's quite a, a motivator. Full,
0: there and there's massive amount of Omnit stuff sitting on the counter there from hemp protein powder to alpha brain to you name it. There's lots of goodies. Uh, Check them out. I like their foods too. Some of their protein bars, both the Buffalo ones, the other ones, so much good stuff there. Check out onnit.com. And again, there's some kind of code that I always forget in the episode notes. So check it out if you want to order and get a discount. And of course, also thank you to uh, Sure Design, we miss our pal Bennett. He was the man. I really miss the guy. But. Uh, it was a year, like a couple of weeks ago yeah, already? Yeah. But um, the people who are handling the business after he was gone are, are have been sweet to us. They just sent me some new uh, restock of some of the t shirts for those of you guys who are ordering the four Drunken Taoist t shirts that we have in stock. Nice. Um, short design. They are badass. And thank you so much for helping us. So, those are our sponsors. Have you said that, anything else, or can we just jump into the episode? Let's jump in. Let's do it.
1: Because you, the listeners, deserve a little jammy, a little mash-up every once in a while. On this week's episode, Bible Time and Story Time are going to be mashed up into Stable Time.
0: It's going to be gro- glorious. This is this exciting. Is, this is not... Um, it Technically, is not a biblical story. That's why we don't put it in Bible Time. But it has everything to do with Christianity or rather a weird interpretation of... And it fits with the story, so I figure story time and Bible meet each other today in a great epic tale. Well, let me pull up my desk and get my notes ready. It takes place in Canada in 1941 in a place known as the Belcher Islands or something like that, where, you know, northern Canada on the coast, not exactly the warmest place in the world. Uh, minus 23 Celsius, which I don't even want to know how much Ooh. that is in Fahrenheit. is uh, It doesn't me,
1: matter at that point.
0: Yeah. And uh, what is it? In summer, the hottest days are plus 10 Celsius. Plus 10 is probably, what, 45? Yeah. Something like Double that. and
1: add 30 is what I always learn. So that's maybe like, 50.
0: Yeah. That's like super hot day of summer. That's what you get, right? So they're up in the Arctic Circle. Way, way, way up only the whole island is pretty much only inuit hunters you know there's nobody else lived there in 1920 at least at that time in 1941 in 1928 the hudson bay company which apparently was still around opened a trading post in the area and this does not have a good impact on the inuit hunters there because what happens is they start the tricky thing about the fur trade, which is something that went on for natives and uh, Europeans since way back when, is natives that natives will trade whiskey for furs. Well, before you even get to that point, part of the pro- which you're right, that will be an issue, but part <sighs> of the problem is native cultures were, be- were built on a subsistence economy. You know, you hunt to eat. No leftovers. And uh, yeah, there's that kind of thing. A capitalist economy, by definition, is built on numbers. It's like how the profits. When is that you wanna stop? Never, really, because the, the you can always come up with a bigger number that's better than a smaller number. Oh, so yeah, if
1: we don't let them have lunch,
0: then we can really make some money. Exactly. So the problem with that is that there's no stop. You know, a, a capitalist economy is built on more profit, more profit, more profit. You never get say, okay, I think I made enough. I think we stop here. That that's not the way the whole system is built.
1: What do you think would happen to a system like that if it were to run amok and maybe? Everything ended up in the hands of a few.
0: Yeah. In this case, it really doesn't work for the native European interaction. Because what happens is, of course, is that once you, for the first time, you are brought into contact with a capitalist economy that say you need to keep producing constantly, these guys begin to overhunt. So suddenly they are overhunting their territories, which then makes it less likely for you to have enough food to eat and stuff. And then, so, you know, the whole thing is bad enough as it is because this has been going on for a few years and now they are beginning to feel the effects of overhunting. The war, World War II is kicking in, so there are less planes available. These guys by now have become dependent on the trade and the trade is declining because they have less to trade and because there are no planes coming in since all the planes have been used for World War II. So these guys begin to starve. They, they are always had a pretty marginal existence. It's a tough, it's nobody ever said being an Inuit is an easy thing as a traditional hunter, but now it's tougher as a result of these transformations.
1: How long would somebody, would I, for thousands of years, had they been up there? Yeah, no, in, in this fact, configuration,
0: it worked tough. You know, people certainly start, but it always time, worked. But the whales but, yeah. would
1: come in the spring and we'd get them all and we'd put them
0: on ice and yeah, now, not so much. Now it's getting really bad, right? So these guys are in a desperate time most of them are expecting to die at any moment and in the middle of this context of super heavy stuff somebody found that a bible that had been translated by local missionaries into the Inuit language and I guess one of the literate people in the community would pick it up and would uh, read passages from the bible which was completely different from their own animistic beliefs but they were like huh let's check it out so one guy By the name of, uh, well, by the name of Charlie, because his last name is, good luck with that, Foyerak, I don't know, I'm guessing, 27-year-old guy, good old Charlie. He always, he's suffering from the short man complex in multiple ways. One, because he's short. One, because he's kind of low status in the community. And, you know, this climate of desperation that's pervading the community figure I can fix multiple things at once my low status my so after everybody got together at night to listen about the Bible stories for enough times which is where our our story become a Bible tale good Charlie Oyerak comes out saying that he's Jesus Christ that he's back and he enlists his friend a guy named Peter Sala tallest man in the tribe and the best hunter saying that I am Jesus and he's God. You know, there's the whole Jesus God. Thing well the Holy in the Ghost Bible. Be by at any moment now. Exactly. So, you know quite a few people in the band are like, okay. You know, you are Jesus and he's God, just, and they are all, because all the stuff they were reaching was all about the end of times and uh, the end of the world and Jesus will come back and the better world will come into place. And the fact is, their world looks like it's coming to an end. It does look like this is it. You know, they are going to starve. The animals are gone. All of this stuff.
1: Didn't anybody be like,
0: Charlie,
1: I know your mama and I know your daddy and if you were a virgin birth, he would have killed you at birth anyway. So mad. But,
0: uh, That's about to happen. They do one okay. thing before that happens. But what's that? Guess who's back? Exactly. Back here again. Here they are in Jesus the, back. Jesus and God Tell are hanging out. As Inuit we <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? And here's God with me too. God, take it away. Yeah, which a god, of course, is because he was one of the most charismatic guys in the area. So he figured if I just say I'm Jesus, nobody believes me. But if he would say he's God, okay, our odds have just improved a little bit. So you can already
1: see how the whiskey had come in through the trading, and those two were
0: off in a corner when he was like, you know... And these two guys take it one notch up, because then they proceed to start killing most of the dogs in the camp which is what these guys need, like, oxygen, because that's what you need to be a good hunter. You know, you need your dog packs No, under on. the down on low, the they sleds. would sneak out in the night, and a few of be like, oh, what happened? No, they kill them, saying, the apocalypse is coming. You won't need them anymore. Oh. We are going to, you know, it's all going to be good and great. Oh, oh. oh my There's God. one young girl, in some version of the story, she's 13. Other people say she's 15. Either way, young teenager, Sarah Appalcock, says... She's pretty mad because her brother had converted. Her own brother started listening to these guys. And she's like, this is crap. She goes to Peter Sala, the more charismatic one, God, in our story, and say, you're just Peter, you're not. You know, (laughs) what are you talking about? Her own brother promptly whacked her in the head with a stick and chaos her. And then another girl who had converted to this path Drags her out onto the ice, grab a an, uh, gun, and just hit her with the barrel of the gun enough times to kill her. And then she'll promptly proclaim, I killed Satan. You know, the devil has just been killed. Boy, it's a slippery slope
1: and I've got a, a few short steps from happy tribe. Yeah,
0: not so happy right
1: to, now. To, yeah, the damn Salem witch trials going on yep. in your fair community.
0: Yep. One guy tried to confront Sarah's killers and, um, he argued with God and Jesus saying, Hey, you guys, you need, you really need to stop. This is what you're doing is crap and it's putting us more in danger, killing dogs. Look, you just killed a little younger. You guys are nuts. What's your problem? And so, of course, what do they say that he is? Devil! He's the devil. Correct. So he. Um, get into a little scuffle with these guys. He runs off and retires in his own igloo, where the next morning, God, Jesus, and another one of their disciples attack him and kill him. So we now have two murders on our hand, based on the return of Jesus and God. The... um, what do we got now? So the killing stops for a couple of weeks while in the meantime, this one Inuit camp joins a larger Inuit camp on a larger part of the island. So, you know, these debates start expanding to other Inuits. Or the infection spreads, Exactly. you want to see it. Good exactly. God. Exactly. And so, you know, they are, they have to start over trying to convince them that they are Jesus and God and all of that and so on. So quite a few of them are actually convinced, which tells you something about human power of uh, why cults are successful is because people, A, want to believe in stuff, B, when they are under duress, something that gives them hope is a huge, huge thing. In this case, at least one of them is this big charismatic guy, best hunter in the tribe. So a lot of people start going with it and they start converting and feeling like, yeah, this is the real deal. This is what... One of the men in the new encampment also has the other reaction. However, is the man, you guys this. are crazy. What yeah. the hell are you? <laughs> and of course, what do we got? We exactly. And so we have uh, another guy shooting, um, his own son-in-law in the back. His son-in-law was the one who was the third devil, so. So the devil has been killed three times by now. You know, there was a started being a teenage girl, then he was the other dude, then we got the guy in the new encampment. So here we go.
1: This is all sounding terrifyingly familiar. I don't know why.
0: Why? Because Jesus and God were screaming, we are going to make the Inuit great again
1: yeah pretty much yeah, exactly, but it just shows you man it' just kind of it's all been pretty crazy already, yeah that folks can you know the Emperor does wear no clothes mm-hmm. and he doesn't even have three thoughts to rub together,
0: but doesn't matter. he's
1: our guy, and we don't get and we'll ride it all the way into the sun
0: doesn't matter exactly, that's pretty much what's happening here in this case. And it's As desperation,
1: our- it's fear, oh, a okay. combination of, you know, change, crazy change that they weren't ready for, their Apple card has been tossed over, and now it is time for the crazies to
0: grab hold. That thing always works. It never fails. You know, this, this kind of dynamics, You nobody ever loses money by betting on people's fear and hopelessness. You no. know, it's very easy to exploit. In this case, it's working. So... A wrench in the story is thrown by the fact that uh, Sala, or rather God in our story, <laughs> was recruited by this guy, Ernest Riddell Ernest Ridell was the manager of this tiny Hudson Bay Company outpost on the island, and he recruits God to be his guide, you know, taking by Dog's lead the re- some of the remaining ones, on a on a business trip to a larger Hudson Bay Company post further away on the coast of Quebec. So during When they get there, God confides in a local Métis guy, a mixed-blood dude, who is like, uh, well-known in the Inuit community. He tells him, look, this is some of the stuff that has been going on on the island. And he kind of confesses openly about some of the murders. So then the Métis guy tells Riddell, look, the guy who just guided you has been involved in these murders. You probably want to let the police know what's going on. So Riddell send this desperate telegram saying um, three murders committed during an outbreak of religious fanaticism. Advise immediate investigation to prevent further outbreaks. And so after he sends the telegram, off he goes. He returns with God back onto the islands, but he's hoping that they will... Um, that they will, that these guys will arrive quickly. The problem is it's the middle of World War II. There are no planes. This place is next to impossible to reach by regular means. So, yeah. So the snowmobiles in a, are not going to be rolling up. No, not anytime soon. So, yeah, probably in a few months we'll get there. Uh, uh, maybe. The place is completely isolated, right? By the time Riddell and God comes back, they find out that things have gotten much worse. Because in the meantime... Uh, God's sister, or rather Peter Sala's sister, Mina. And at one point, she had gone in a moment of super hardcore religious fanaticism. So he grabbed everybody, all the old people, the kids, everybody, told them in a misguided Wim Hof moment, (laughs) she told them to strip down to nothing. Keep in mind, it's minus 20 degrees in February. And he's saying, strip down to nothing, go on to the ice, let's all go to the edge of the water, and we are going to wait because Jesus is coming back. He's going to arrive in a giant kayak and he's going to take us all, and so let's be ready. And no room for clothes. No room for clothes for Sabrizo. I, yeah, I didn't get I that think part. I tried but that trick in college. Did it work? Sounds familiar, <laughs> something in that vein. Everybody get naked! <laughs> That's the idea, right? You yeah. She does exactly that. She runs around the village screaming, you know, it's the end of the world. Jesus is coming. Um, and then she uses this dog whip, which is this pretty hardcore thing that can whack off, like easily take out an eye or whack off your ear to whack anybody who doesn't take off their clothes. And, the old whacking stick. Yeah. And, and go out on the ice.
1: Boy, get your hands off that whacking stick.
0: Yeah. So she's this tough, charismatic woman. So a lot of dozens of women and kids, and they are freaked out. They are scared. They get out of the igloo. Some because they believe in it. Some they don't, but they go (laughs) along with it. So off they go and they walk up to the edge of the sea with open arms to meet their savior. It's a windy night. Temperatures are insanely cold. The night of the lost toes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) They haven't studied the Wim Hof technique well enough, apparently. So, uh, Mina, uh, by the way, under the file, religious fervor, but up to a point, she somehow keep her clothes on. So, it's like, what's going on here? It's like, if you believe it, w- w- what's happening? Where's to, the clothes? Yeah, that part. How many people are we talking about here? 800? No, no,
1: probably. seven.
0: Like, the whole village was probably like 100, 200 people. and she's so she getting got 40 like, of them uh, out exactly, there. exactly, exactly. Something like that, right? Now, after a few minutes, some of the moms start realizing Jesus is not arriving, and, and my freezing. nipples are about to break <laughs> off. Exactly, <laughs> so they tell their children to get dressed again, and they struggle back to their igloos, uh, whatever many of their little ones could carry. But some of them couldn't move no more, so now they only have two hands for multiple children. <sighs> you can't. So some of them, it's too late. Frostbite and numbness has already set in. During this experiment, six of them died. Including and this is where karma is weird because most of Minas and Peter Sala's family are the ones who die. Um, their mom was fifty five year old, one of their sister and four of Peter Sala's kids all die. So that's a case of again karma not really because you know no, yeah, they it's, were it's, out
1: first because they heard about it first. So they right. had another nine minutes out there in the damn ice. Yeah, precisely.
0: So <laughs> Jesus. Wow. So after he became aware of that, when he comes back, he's not so hot about being God anymore. He realized, oh, damn, this is what it led to. You know, this is what well, he's got.
1: Couldn't he just reason from? Yeah, apparently
0: he's not so convinced that he could do it, you know, so that it's too late. And it's in the meantime, the agent for the Hudson Bay Company, Riddell, is getting frantic. He's like, this is getting worse and worse. You know, the police need to get here yesterday. What the how hell? else am I going to get my furs? That, but also, like, these are all going to kill each other soon enough. This is not good. So, you know, they have no plane, as usual. Eventually, they manage to get there. They manage to arrive. And and the guys, that they, they ask questions, and the guys are all like, yeah, this is what happened. They confess. Nobody's trying to hide it. Nobody's trying to keep it in any way. So eventually, they get them all gathered up, the ones who have been responsible for this they bring them to this place which is they can't even go back on the mainland so they go in another very remote place where they don't have enough people to serve as juries. so they even have like a couple of journalists that have flown in to cover the story they are recruited as jurors because they just don't have enough the prosecutor decided to look the whole thing as a mistake saying look we cannot really hang these guys because These guys were crazy, you know, and it's not really (laughs) going to teach them a lesson to the other Inuits. It's not that they are going to catch up. This is not going to, you know, we cannot. This is such a weird place that we cannot apply regular rules here. So in the end, they basically send um, most of them to one year in prison. And that's it. However, Jesus, Charlie Jesus, whatever his last name was, died of TB uh, while in prison. Whereas uh, Peter and their, his sister, Mina, are eventually, after they are released, they are exiled for the next long time because nobody wants them no more in the community. And the way they handled it was weird. It's like they say that when they ask, it's like, yeah, you know, like, why did you shoot that guy? It's like, because I mean, God. had the
1: devil look, in him. Cause what God, the hell are
0: you going to do? God told me to. Yeah. And he's like, and what about now? He's like, ah, turns out he wasn't God. You know, it's like, he's just very straight up. It's like, that's what we believed. And that's now we don't believe it anymore. Sorry about that. Fool me once, shame on you. Right? Fool me once.
1: Well you just don't do that. <laughs> the whole thing is so scary. It's not because Canadians are so nice, they're like what's this all this killing of boot, eh?
0: Yeah, that whole now thing. You I mean, guys
1: acquitted all this crazy talking.
0: Think about the insanity of it all. The what it takes for somebody, some dude with short man problem to come up and say, I'm Jesus. And before you know it, it becomes this massive event where a lot of people sign up for, they go along with it, with the consequences that it leads to. And then at the end you can just say, Oh, sorry. It turns out we made a mistake. I'm not Jesus after all. That's a little weird. That whole dynamic well, It is... happens
1: over and over and over and over.
0: Wait. What was it the... The siege of Munster
1: and all oh, that yeah, insanity. Where those course. people to everybody's starving, everybody's a skeleton inside,
0: haven't eaten in months, and still. Have you ever been around anything that's, like straight up cult? Have you ever seen anything like that firsthand? Like like hanging out with the Mansons or something. No. Well, maybe not Manson, but you know something. It can be milder, but
1: the only thing that that brings to mind is, um, I did a movie about Rwanda. Uh huh. And Wonder only had, it's like the size of Maryland. Yeah. It was like eight or nine million people in it. And when the genocide went down, it was a million people killing a million people pretty yep. much. So when it was over, you can't jail 850,000 people. Yeah. So they put these, it was a crazy name, Kachaka or something like that it was a name for these trials you would go on. Because what. Their neighbors wanted the most mm-hmm. when it was all said and done is to know, where did you put my daughter's body? Yeah, yeah of course. If I can have the bones, I can bury them and it will be okay. Yeah. So you would have to come in front of the community who you chopped up with hatchets and whatever you had yeah. and say, sorry, I cut your arm off. Sorry, I cut your baby in half when you were running. But, here is where but it here's where it's But here's the bodies and your husband's over here and all the other children we put in the well. Wow. And if you would do that, you could move back into the house you were in. Wow. That's nuts. But, I mean, that's a whole different thing. I think you have to experience some sort of insane level
0: of loss. No, and I think that's the other part, is the end of that tale about what happens afterwards. The part that I'm intrigued with is the early part. How does a cult kick in? And it's weird because I, I remember having experience with, like... Seen even people I knew kind of getting inside something like that that lasted for a while before it clearly busted and everybody realized what was up. Wow, and were you even able because, to warn them? Like, don't you see what's going on here? Yes, and at the same time, it's weird to see the psychological dynamics because that you shit can't is convince them. Powerful, yeah, to the point where it makes you think: like, am I wrong? What am I doing here? Am I the one who's mistaken? Because there's such a consensus around you that you start feeling like your way of thinking, I must be crazy then, then it must be. And there's always an explanation to explain why you are lacking faith in the process and all of that. And there's that little voice in your head that start going, what if these guys are right? Now, clearly in my case, it stopped that one second of voice that go, oh, damn, these guys seem, they're all happy. I'm the one, particularly if you are in a shitty time in your life when you are not strong. Well, then you're really in trouble. That's when you are easy prey, right? Because you're not going to be easy prey when everything is going great and you are self-confident and you well, feel good And about that's life. not what the big blue building downtown is full of either. No. It usually works on weakness, fear, uh, all of that stuff, right? Loneliness. And exactly. And when you see, we found the way. Just join us. It's all good on this side. It's like, and you finally have a team that embraces yeah, you, and we're all yeah, on the same page, yeah. and everybody likes you.
1: All of a sudden, man, this feels nice, and all I gotta do is believe this bullshit. Exactly, and, and
0: then you start believing it. Oh yeah, and then you're in. Yep. And this was exactly. I mean, it wasn't exactly. Is this, this all a prelude
1: is, that we're actually gonna start the cult of Bulele? Because we talked about this before. The cult
0: of Bolleli is uh, the problem. Is I don't know. I don't have. Um, I don't have a very predatory. Boning me, I don't really. You probably hire that guy. Yeah, I don't. Like the part of, part of the problem to really start a cult is you have to do one of two things: either you believe it because you're bullshit crazy, and so you believe your own bullshit, or you don't believe it and you're a master bullshitter and you're just doing it to scam people. Yeah, and you know neither one works for me unfortunately. No, it doesn't work for you. I don't want to do that to anybody really ever, and so it's. Uh, but it's weird the psychological dynamics of a weakness can make you believe the weirdest shit to the point... I, at some point, I want to do a history on fire, I think. I don't know when, because it's far removed. But there's this, the story of this dude. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I probably should learn it by then. Uh, Sabbatai Zevi, or something like that. Jewish guy in the... I'm going on memory. I want to say the 1500s. Maybe give or take a century or so. Um, who proclaims himself to be the messiah get thousands upon thousands of Jewish people throughout Europe to sell all their property, to give up everything, because they're following them on the promised land and everything is going to start over. So this is a mass movement that it looks like is going to be the next big uh, Western religion. And then uh, in the end, I mean, I guess this is a spoiler for our story if we ever cover it on History on Fire, but... Didn't go down? No, uh, I, okay. no you know, rapture? I'll leave it at that. It's a great ending. I'll leave it for a future history on fire. But yes, doesn't quite pan out. And these are a lot of smart people who sold everything they owned because they believed that the dude was the Messiah, and that was the way to go. And That's a
1: story that happens over and over again. There was one uh, that showed The, the Leftovers, uh, mm-hmm. which is about like, the rapture kind of happens but, and 2% of the population disappears. Well, they opened this season with... What was it called? The Great Disappointment of 1841 or something. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it was the same deal where this guy was like, he's coming and climb on your rooftops tonight and you're going to be whisked away in the night and like villages full of people join in and in the morning had to climb back down. Of course, that's after having given all their earthly possessions away to their neighbors. who thought it was fucking hysterical. Of course. Then, no, that's my goat now. Sorry. Wow. And so they go... Pastor, preacher, liar, man. What happened? He's like, math error.
0: (laughs) It was October 14th, not May. Oh, okay. Just wait a few more months. Yeah. And it's going to be fine. And
1: several of them will try again and again. Of
0: course. Of course. But. No, the human mind is a strange beast. It, It has the potential for some amazing, beautiful thing. And it has the potential for some really dark, weird crap. Especially over a point now, you know, when you think about
1: how Freud's son started intervening into advertising and just using all these nasty tricks on folks and, you know, now they're experts at it. Sure. I mean, they're so great at what they do and they know how we react and the fact that we feed them every emotion we have, every idea we have, every
0: thought, every pattern – and without getting overly political, but nonetheless, if you look at one of the patterns that you see today it's partially because the modern world is such a it's so confusing because there are so much information, there's also sort the of people don't know what to believe, there's kind of like more options, more choices, good stuff, right? That's it's, excellent, but also it creates confusion in a lot of people. Yeah. And it's too much to keep up with. There's that appeal which has always existed and even more today of the strong man. If you look at, like, what's happening around the world, the Putin of the world, mm-hmm. uh, was the guy in the Philippines, Duarte, uh, Trump, uh, France, there's possibility of, in this case, the strong woman, but Le Pen, all of that stuff is is pointing to the same thing. It's like the semi-dictatorial figure who's like, I can, make it it, for you. I can make it good again, so yeah. just trust me, and it's going... It appeals to human beings. You know, it just flat out appeals to something in human beings that's scared, that's confused, that feels like, where are we going? This is messy. This is crazy. All these transformations are taking place. Don't this you is... worry.
1: Daddy's going to take care of it. Exactly. Just sit back. Exactly. Let me handle
0: this for you. Yep. It's what. Because it's easy. It is the same thing that makes um, extreme. You know, why fundamentalism is popular. 'Cause it's crazy, you know, when you think in the modern world with scientific knowledge, why would religious fundamentalism still be popular in many parts of the world? And a lot of it is because it satisfy a psychological need that nothing else satisfy. That you don't you don't satisfy via science, you don't satisfy via reason, you don't satisfy you only satisfy through this kind of fanaticism that can only be brought forward by a more fundamentalist vibe.
1: And when you talk about a population that's kind of worn down, it's yep. just all this, it's been 30 easy years prey. of disappointment, and things just never go your way, and promises that your day's coming, yep. but it hasn't,
0: but I'll take care of it for you. And I say easy prey, implying that the people doing it are not sometimes some of their own first victims. But in some cases, they are. Some cases, it's not just some scammer who's out to do. These are people who actually convince themselves. They took themselves into this role. They actually believe their own hype, you know? So it's even weirder because it's not just deception of others. It's also self-deception at play. It's Humans are complicated, to yeah, say Yeah, we the are. Uh,
1: it's just the, the, the massive capacity of us is unbelievable. It's like... I guess it was eight months ago when the Juno spacecraft was dropping into orbit over Jupiter. Yep, they were burning people alive in the Middle East. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's like
0: it's really that's exactly. And what's we have going to make on. a
1: decision at some point. Yeah, I would like to be on Team Space Probe myself. I think better things come out of that as we expand our knowledge. But seems to be plenty of folks that are fine. Pfft, this is the way we've always done it. Something that yeah. comes back again and again as well. Totally. I mean, and it's. It's getting to be that moment. Yep. I told you our pal Dan Carlin literally was saying he doesn't know how to fix
0: what we have going on right now. Yeah, that's and again he's even just looking at the situation in the US. Yeah. But if you look even worldwide, which of course look the circumstances are different and it's a mess. You it's know, a it's mess. Pretty crazy and which is why the appeal of the good nature dictator kicks in. You know where it's like I'll, uh, you know, kiss the children and take pictures while I, you know, the Putin model is hilarious because he's like such a media creation to some degree. The guy where he's like, he's
1: like a, I'm like going like to be a, like a
0: mafia leader than anything. Totally. There is that vibe. He plays the character super yeah. well, you know, he plays it really, really well in Italy. There was Berlusconi for a while, who kind of in a more clownish way, played the same role. Uh, but it got Putin him in the is power. more like the real deal. Um, Duarte is like, you know, we'll kill all the drug addicts because we'll clean up. And I read the comments like a lot of people from the Philippines completely behind it, completely in support of it. And it's just like, wow, okay, that's interesting. And again, it goes back to that, the weird places to where the human mind goes. In any case, so this was your tale of when uh, Jesus and God for a while dropped by in the uh, Atlantic Islands in Alaska. And um, sorry, in Alaska, I'm drunk and delirious. No, I'm actually not drunk, just mild delirious. In Canada in 1941, when Jesus and God were roaming around, caused a few murders, and decided they were no longer Jesus and God. Beauty, eh?
1: The moment,
0: boom, boom, boom. let us go play with that i like the song the theme music is awesome <laughs> um a few of them all have to deal with the law authority and similar themes so let's start with uh isabella received the report card and i immediately noticed with dismay that she received a four out of four under the voice accepts and respects authority, what? which I didn't even know it existed as a category or category or however the fuck you guys pronounce it. But that thing over there, I'm like, what in the actual fuck? My daughter, she accepts and respects authority. That's your highest grade. That's wow. what it's in. Hell no. <laughs> so upon further inquiry, however, is explained that it's she's a master ninja softening authorities giving them a full sense of security so as to be beyond suspicion and more likely to be able to strike with impunity that was my guess which you know right before I was like Considering just disowning her and just feeling like I failed as a parent, but this was an excellent save. The so. best
1: of the fifth columnists can really get in there and mix it up, and nobody's the wiser.
0: Yeah, it's like okay, you're being a ninja. That's different. Okay, good. In that case, <laughs> in that case, we're playing well. She told me this. This I actually didn't even think of it as throwing it as a moment, but it came to mind. Sometimes even bluffing and uh, the game. She said some kid on the playground told her, you know, no girls in this area. You guys get out. And uh, she, the, the kid, I kid you not, I guess when you're seven-year-old, this line still works. The guy oh. went, I know karate. You guys get out. And Isabella was doesn't know shit of martial arts. You know, she came with me a few times, but she's not really. She, she's she, seen she, enough to be able to pull. She just them. walked up to him and said, I know judo. I'm going to throw you to the ground. And the dude just left and ran off. And that was it. Wow. I was like. I'm glad the bluff worked because if he didn't, you'd be deep shit because you don't know how to do that. But well, he shouldn't be hitting girls anyway. Yeah, so. sure, but still, you know, I'm glad that she was extremely proud that her bluff worked. So nothing's uh, changed on the on the playground. No, I guess generation after same, generation, uh, same gig.
1: And yes. the hilarious thing, for the most part, he's going to shift that thinking about no girls allowed. Of course, in a very short amount of, of time. Of course,
0: of course. And that's when he's going to get torture with. Oh, <sighs> you were an asshole before. Sorry. Just spread the word too, you know, yeah. this guy.
1: Yeah. He's no girl zone, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, He's him. not even going to get a whiff of one till nope. deep into 11th or 12th grade. As he
0: should. Yeah. Fool. So, yep, yeah, that's <laughs> the gig. <laughs> On um, authority still, we were having a discussion because uh, I saw she was putting the sandals on to go to school, and I said, "Is sorry, I can't. You know, they don't allow open-toed shoes in school." they what, are, are afraid... they
1: doing? A lot of heavy metal work. No, and afraid but the they are, gonna they
0: are always getting injured on the yard. It's always like the barbarian yard over there <laughs> where they are like running around. People come back with broken bones. They do all sort. I don't know what kind of gladiatorial game are they having them practice, but bottom line, yeah, no open-toed sandals.
1: Shit, my day, it was called either Smear the Queer or Dodgeball yeah, or you know, all sorts of like really yeah, epically yeah, yeah.
0: violent... Whoever's got the ball, hit him. Yeah, I was there one day and I saw this kid took a 12-feet slide on gravel with his knees oh. where it was just like, oh... And one of the guys was there, like the assistant or whatever was overlooking the yard was kind of like, oh, okay, get up. You know, it's was just like, okay, let deal with it, you know? Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's a little heavy, but uh, in any case, the no open toe uh, to the shows uh, thing, Isabella was like, no, no, it's okay to wear them at school. And I'm like, no, seriously, I just got the paper they sent at home. They said open toe to the shoes are against the school policy. She was, use the Jedi mind trick she was kind like,
1: of what She was doing.
0: "Policy? <laughs> what the hell is a policy? I'm like it's like school law, you know?" And she's like, and she got smiling really big. And she's like, "Really? Yes, I wore them at school and I didn't get busted." And then she started jumping up and down, singing, "I fought the law and law lost." And uh, <laughs> so she was fairly pleased with herself with that so that captured this particular vibe of uh, Isabella and her complicated relationship with authority on one end clearly deferring to it for the sake of playing a good ninja and on the other end uh, not so much clearly getting off on uh, tricking auto on the authority liners I have to play it for you. There's this Mongolian group. Not the usual guys. Not, oh, another uh, set. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because of that, somebody sent me a link. That like, may make you the, the biggest expert on Mongolian, Mongolian death music. metal. Yeah, it's funny. These guys were not... This is more the traditional stuff. Oh, okay. It's awesome. It sounds very much the same. I mean, they still have this rhythm that's all like kind of like... It feels like horses running. Three quarters to the song, all of a sudden, they really slow down. They, I think... Led Zeppelin, Starway to Heaven would have had, uh, you know, this weird mix of fast and intense and mellow and delicate. It has a Mongolian tweak to it. But in any case, so these guys, um, the lyrics are awesome. It's the, it's this old song about their national Robin Hood is like some variation. I forgot the guy's name, but he's like outlaw stealing from the rich, giving away. And among the lyrics, I'll quote some because they are too good. It says hierarchy strict rules i want to obey this tradition why kneel down like a slave i'd rather be an outlaw no one owns this beautiful planet i can go wherever i want thanks to my horse so all we need is a horse that's where that's where it's at that doesn't sound like a bad place to start yeah why kneel down like a slave i'd rather be an outlaw that's like my philosophy of life right there that's I dig it. So, so yeah, that was uh, a glorious moment. And under the file, he had a Mongolian expert. In this case, it's not Mongolia, it's Tuva, which is nearby. It's technically, it was Soviet Union, but it was right at the edge with Mongolia. Right. Somebody also sent me a link. Oh, check out this uh, female singer. She's a female throat singer. And um, I checked her out. Sure enough, I actually knew her. Uh, she was a lady I met in uh, Italy way back when. And I remember this was 20 years ago when I had my first book in Italian. Uh, she did this show where um, some guy, a friend of mine, an Italian poet, would read sections of my book on stage. And then she would, then, she would finish one passage and she would go on this wild, shamanic throat singing in just wow. Whole, wow. completely wild. And then he would start <laughs> another piece and she would come on and... She's awesome. Sainko Namchilak. That's easy uh, to say. Yeah, that's uh, quite a name, right? It sounds like you just cast a spell on me. I know. <laughs> I may have. Sim <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> the story is that they say that the women cannot do throw singing because they say it makes them infertile. <clears throat> now, either this is not true or she started throw singing after because she did have a daughter. So it's like either one. I don't know which one. I didn't check which one came first, so I have no idea. But in any case, she's a...
1: What a you possible know what I, actually, connection
0: between your larynx and your uterus? I have no they idea. Possi- but all that
1: vibration makes them
0: ovaries just jiggle like crazy. I and- don't know. Come I'm, on, uh, you know, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> when I tried, my ovaries didn't do it, so I don't know. Mine are I'm still rattling, here. so it's kind yeah. of the opposite problem. I see. You know what? We should use. Uh, I'll I'll give you a song by Sayenko. We'll put it at the end, uh, um, at the end of this episode, so you guys want to get a feel for it she's so good she's such a good singer and I asked her a couple of years ago I emailed her saying hey do you mind if I use one of your songs on the podcast and she was like no no go for it and stuff so uh, then I always forgot to use it this seems like an appropriate time this is the moment and if she has any
1: Clash covers then we really
0: got something going no she doesn't but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah
1: time to reach deep inside the digital mailbag and see what sort of
0: awesome query waits for us today. What do we got? Um, Some poor lost soul that will go unnamed. Ask me for my ideas about investing money or financial advice. and You've come to the wrong show. Thanks. Next. <laughs> Let me explain my idea of how you make money grow, okay? Because this is what I practice. And any minute now is going to work. So just trust me on this. It is what you do. At night, you light a candle and put a couple of dollar bills on the floor next to the candle. Mm -hmm. Then you leave them alone. Well, no, sorry. Before that, you put on some Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. Exactly. And then you go to bed. If everything worked out right, the next day there should be a quarter next to those two dollars. At the very least. It's how uh, unfailingly, you know, you just need to get them into the mood. You need to get them, you know, a little candlelight, Marvin Gaye music playing. And before you know it, those $2 are going to be $2.25. And from there, you're going to grow from there. And it's, I swear, man, I don't know why it's not been taught in uh, business school, because This method is, I mean, it works for everything else. It works for all the animals, the humans. Why not for dollar bills? I think that's a solid, solid way to approach our question.
1: I bought a a money toad Hmm. in Chinatown in San Francisco about 15 years ago. And if you face him towards the door or something, Mm -hmm. money will come your way. I like that. Has that worked tremendously well? Not worth a shit. No, I'm but told. But I remain hopeful because Ronald Reagan told me as a lad uh-huh. with his new fancy trickle-down economics. Oh, yeah. Any notes now. Well, it's been 30 years, so there ought to be a fucking deluge at any moment. It's just money because <laughs> uh, apparently there's a big bubble of money right now waiting to work its way down through.
0: I got this meme on uh dan carlin's site of some people uh, there's uh, i'm showing rich right now there's this image of the proverb dan carlin referred to this image all the time about what's lucy the girl's the name football. lucy lucy and the football right putting the football in front of charlie brown and convince him that this time is gonna work yeah. and every time he goes to kick it and she pulls the football back and and the caption here says if you if you cut taxes on the rich they will invest that money and create jobs for everyone. And it seems rather fitting in this scenario, but... They forget about
1: that step where it all goes to the Cayman Islands and no one sees a nickel. And yeah. they don't even have to pay taxes on it. And uh, we can't even go down this. Right, no, right we now. don't. Well, let's keep it. You know, the, the the solid recommendation would be to start investing in your 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's 21,000 stock market. There's no way. There's no actual value there. I mean... What does Facebook actually work other than a list of names and all the information sure. they stole? There's no like money value to any of that, so it will collapse very shortly.
0: But no, I what stick- they've always told us is yeah.
1: you know start with stocks and bonds and a smooth portfolio of different risks levels and these people haven't studied my method.
0: Candlelight, Marvin Gaye. <laughs> Two single dollar might bills. You be after
1: something else at the same time with that move. I think that's how it's going to work. I'm going to interview the, the, the orgasm counting gnome and see what he knows. Yeah. Why isn't he
0: down there rooting on those dollar bills? That's, I think, the missing piece. That's why it hasn't worked yet. Damn. We the orgasm counting well, gnome. Well, I'll
1: bring my money toad over and maybe he can croak with him. To, to that would be excellent. That would be great if that was the way it worked.
0: Yep. That's, I'm a fan of that concept. So, yes. Go. You guys can thank me when you're all millionaires.
1: The real mystery
0: is why people
1: put up with it, and it's obvious what's going on. I don't think anybody's been tricked in the past thirty years.
0: It's hard, I guess. It's like because these are issues that go so far beyond the individual level, but yep. it's a mess. It's that's why I'm finding I'm kind of bugged by this. I mean, my whole Facebook feed is like nonstop politics all the time, and I'm like, not mine, but you know what I'm reading from other yeah. people. Oh yeah, and I'm getting like. People, I see people fighting and yelling at each other and this and that, and I'm like, I can agree with some and disagree with the others, but the point is, at the end of the day, did anything change because of what you guys just argue about? Because the reality is the game is played at a level where this shit is not having an impact on anybody other than ruining your day and getting mad. So I kind of understand some of the people are like, you know what, I don't want to just even go down that path and dealing too much with, I think it's weird. It's like, I will do it because you want to be informed and you want to have a vague sense of, but there's also a very clear limit that you hit quickly. What can I possibly do? Exactly. Yeah. Where there's a sense of powerlessness where it's like, maybe your time is better invested on something where you actually have an impact on reality, rather than something where you're just bitching about things that you can't control. It's, um, it's a tough choice. sometimes. It is, but it It gets so frustrating sometimes. I'm the first one to to break. I'm I'm the first one to break my own advice and then I do get caught into it when I shouldn't. But, oh, well, in any case, I don't
1: think, I don't think that letter was properly. Um, I don't think that's what he's hoping for. Not quite. uh? Too much brutal honesty right there. Sorry, my man. You know, I apologize. We've been out here almost 12 years and, uh, you know, with kids and everything and college and all this sort of craziness goes on. I, I still to this day am happy if I can have $5 at the end of the month. <laughs> Jesus, that's rough. Yeah, And I think a lot of people are in the same boat. I read somewhere yeah. that if an emergency were to arise, to put $600 together is beyond the means of a huge
0: chunk of our population. I believe it. I believe it. Which is why then those places, you know, advance on your paycheck for 125% interest work where there's business in it. Oh, yeah,
1: because then you can sue them and chase them for all the money. That that continues to accrue till the end of time.
0: Yep, absolutely. It's a beautiful system. Wow, well, the Muslims don't allow usury. As Don King would say, only in America. No, actually, the problem is it's not. It's not all in America, but be, that's beside the point.
1: It's funny. It's like since 2017, I mean, when you think like 1967, 68 were hugely tumultuous times, mm-hmm. it feels like we're right on the edge of it.
0: Yeah, it's, um, but again, it's a systemic problem. It's not even just that there's the bad guy who's screwing all, all over. There's a problem with the the way the whole system is set up in And it's going to change because, you know, with the fact that so many jobs are going to become automatic, where a lot of jobs are going to be redundant, there is going to be, it can go two ways. Because the fact is, a lot of people currently employed will be unemployed in the future. I went into the Bank of America, and now, where they used to have like three ATM machines.
1: They had six more that were like complete kiosks with a phone on it, and it's called teller-assisted ATMs. Yep, absolutely. So then
0: you can save on actual employees. Yeah.
1: Because that will be some group of people in India that will talk to you for $0.12 an hour. Exactly. And off they go again. The one that makes me crazy is I know we just go on with this forever, but how the corporations sold everybody out, did send all the factories around the world to where people making $0.12 an hour could build everything – and then act like, oh, what happened to the jobs? It's obvious, right. It's just, uh, h- hypocrisy may be the thing I hate the most.
0: Yeah, because I think that's it. I mean, I think everybody understands, you know, you're a corporation, you want to make money, or you want a, an imperial power, you want to conquer other people. Is The problem is when then you try to come across as a good guy, and it's like, you're not just, you know, a shark that eats a smaller fish. You are, no, I'm a good guy about it. It's like, come on, man. He's like, it's one thing to do what you got to do. It's another thing to actually insert a misguided sense of morality where there is none. But in any case. Well, I made
1: a mistake watching the Michael Moore movie, Where to Invade Next. mm -hmm. And he goes through Europe and, of all places, Italy, two-hour lunches, 35. I I think he romanticizes it a bit because the reality is it's… Well, you still get way more vacation and you get
0: way more, come on. Yes, it is insane. Here. A lot less than in the past. A lot less because they're they're learning. Um, I mean, even like I remember seeing people would work till seven p. You know, it's, it's certainly it's a different system, but it's not quite as uh, it's not that simple. You know, it's. But well, then it's been more, infected. Oh, totally, it is. It is, and it's spreading around the world, for sure.
1: To, to finish that point, though, what was interesting is that the CEOs of these various companies that, well, we mm-hmm. want our employees to be happy. We want to treat them well. And if that affects the bottom line and the profit isn't quite what it was, that's okay because we got happy workers. It now, is my, if there's only three right.
0: people in the world saying that, i like to hear that because… Absolutely. I guess here is my issue with the Michael Moore approach is that that is awesome. Right. I mean, I like that story. It's a great story. And are there people who do that? Sure, there are easy it as common or as simple of a story as you make it sound? Like, oh, just go to Italy and look at where it's at? No, it's not. Is your cherry picking facts to try to... And it's at least an you're saying that
1: the possibility exists on the fucking planet because it does not exist here. People and, are treated like shit. They work them constantly. And I'm fucking exhausted watching everybody so tired and so angry and so
0: upset clawing for a check that's going to be gone before they even get it. No, no. And I'm, in fact, it's not even an issue of the... The issue is correct. My issue, my problem with that approach is that you could say it as, hey, isn't this a better way of doing it? And look at Mr. So-and-so in this city and Mr. So-and-so, CEO of this other place who's doing it, yeah. this offers a good model. That's real. That's a good point. The are showing real examples and that's real. Sometimes I find it where people, regardless of their idea, in this case is an idea that I can sympathize with, but sometimes with ideas I don't sympathize with, I, they tend to cherry-pick specific examples that fit the thesis perfectly, and they make it sound like this is the norm over there, or this is. they kind of blow it out of proportion. So rather than saying, this is an interesting direction we could take and look, there are a few exceptions that are doing it, they are kind of oversimplifying the process a bit and making it... You know, it's like when they were trying to pass Obamacare, they would go,
1: look at Canada. These people have to wait weeks to see a doctor. It was all these sort of, once again, cherry-picked examples. But you know, at the same time, people are becoming hopeless. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to show them that there is indeed another way we can do this. And these folks that are, you know, using all the infrastructure and making all the people work so hard, they can learn to share.
0: Mm -hmm. No, no. In fact, I'm all for... I'm a big fan of showing alternative possibilities. I find sometimes, and Michael Moore fits that case perfectly, of people who tend to oversimplify the complexity of it all by making it a very black and white story where these guys are the good guys and they all do it this way, and these guys, it's like, it's yes, but it's more complicated than that, it, that kind of thing. But in any case, we just did the one thing we said don't do, which is get caught into things that you ultimately don't have the power to change. So I guess that will be – we make up for it with the rant of the day, which things that we do have the power to change. So, Do we have one more uh, letter real quick or are we No, we'll, we'll jump into uh, our rant. All right. See you, mailbag. <laughs> Before we jump into the rent uh, we just had Sarah Frazetta on so this is quite fitting there's that iconic Conan painting that's now to your right uh, well not the original of course otherwise I would be a multi-millionaire in the Cayman Islands but no, a, a very nice reproduction but the classic Conan with his sword standing on a pile of skulls with this naked woman wrapped around his knee well I had envisioned multiple times recreating this scene, the picture that I'm going to show Rich now, and that I'm going to use as an episode cover is probably safe to say that that's not how I envision recreating this scene, but I'm almost afraid to look, you should be here. We go. So, what you guys will see if you go on the drunken Taoist.com, uh, just, just let them look. Don't even tell. Let them, them look. You don't deserve to know if you do not willing to look. <laughs>
1: that is hilarious. And the look on your face. Yeah. Mm, that looks like a man with an appetite. That's all I'm going
0: to say.
1: <laughs> lucky you didn't so, get cut.
0: Yes, there's that. Um, that would be the episode cover for this episode. <laughs> with this tease, <laughs> let's move in now to our rant. <laughs> It's ranting time. Ranting time.
1: I'm all riled up today. I'm ready to do some ranting. But first, the rain came today. Me, kind of. Over by the coast, it rained. It actually rained. Real rain. And I know why. Sweet. Because my neighbor told me that he was Jesus. And that he saw that I was out there working hard on my straw bales, getting them converted and ready for gardening. And I said, Jesus, pretend Jesus, neighbor guy what I could really use is some it's rain. It's a nice deluge of natural other than the Fukushima radiation pretty nice rain yeah. to soak these guys
0: one last time and get them ready cuz tomorrow's planting day. Sweet. That's uh you're doing the straw bales again. Oh yeah, that's awesome. We've gone from 9 to 12. Yeah. You you should post uh, pictures on Facebook or Twitter or something. I'm going to have or... my picture of me in my uh, in my in my coveralls. In oh my, yeah, yeah. I want you in a uh, pitchfork overall with no shirt, with a straw hat. Yeah, got it all. Out there doing beautiful. I can't wait. On, uh, on that happy note, let's see, where do we start? Let's start with something um, unlike the big political things that we don't really have power to change. Let's look at stuff that we do have power on, where we can have an impact. Um, I guess for lack of a better term, we'll refer to this as Taoist parenting. You know, it's like raising kids and different strategies to go about it. Now, the first thing that Daoism will tell you about anything is that there's not one single way to do it. You know, take kids, kids are different from one another. You know, Absolutely. The, the same method that works with one kid doesn't work with the next. i by my house. Right. So you need to know which one is which, which one were, you know, some kids thrive on discipline. They need it. Other kids do not. You need to give them space. You need to give them more freedom. You need to give them less boundaries. You usually find out after it's too late, which one you should use. And that's where the Taoist talent comes in, right? Is be able to figure it out.
1: Not too late where <laughs> you can
0: still apply, you know, you, when you recognize the signs early on and figure out, yes, more room, no, a little stricter, that kind of approach. So that's, key number one you know there is no single path for sure okay there is the the one thing you need the most is awareness and intuition to be able to figure out what that one person in front of you needs which is why no child raising manual can ever teach you what you actually need to do because that kid in front of you is not just average kid XYZ that kid in front of you has its own unique personality weirdness and all of the stuff that goes with it. And you need to tailor your style to that kid a lot easier said than done for sure. So (laughs) there's that. But in terms of something that I find usually useful in most contexts, and I think is not a bad idea with parenting either is a lot of Taoism is about turning potentially conflictual relationships in uh, making them be more harmonious, making making a game where it's like me against you, where it becomes you and me together figuring out this problem, that's a huge game changer in everything. Today we'll apply to parenting, but really that model to me is key for communication for everything else. It's not a because typically when there's a disagreement, the response is you say that, fuck you, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. Yep goes the way. and of course when people feel criticized, their guard goes up, yep. and so they are less willing to listen to any suggestions you may have. They are gonna be fighting you every step of the way. There's uh, it becomes a conflictual relationship, and then it's just who can overpower the other gets their way, which is not a good thing because then the other person feels mad and is itching for a chance to strike back when they can. So that's not a win. That's a, that's the weakest possible way to get stuff done. The the difficulty in
1: doing the team concept is sometimes one member doesn't want the same outcome.
0: Well, but that's the point to me in terms of wanting the same outcome, it needs to start very broad, right? To me, it's like sometime with one thing that I've done with Isabella that she seemed to really like is the message I would give her. is not, you need to do this is look. We want the same thing here. And we do. It's like, no, but you want to do this? Like, no, no, no. We want this. The same thing is we both want you to be happy and we both want you to be safe. Can we agree on that? Right? We want you to make sure you are okay. And... But how am I going to go drinking with my friends? Exactly. The question then becomes not a, I'm telling you, no, shut up because I'm your father. The question becomes, let's think it together. If there's a way to get it done where you can be happy and safe, let's do it. I don't care what it is. Go drink with your friends, go do whatever, but don't drive. Yeah, if we can satisfy condition A and condition B. Yeah. If we can't, then it's dumb because you can get really hurt, you can get in a really bad place, you can get So I'm all for you get whatever it is that you want to get by going out drinking with your friends or whatever else. I'm all for you getting it. Let's figure out how you can get it in a way that doesn't kill you, in a way that doesn't put you in major danger, in a way that doesn't Let's do that together. You know, let's figure out how we can play that game. And then, then it changes the dynamics because it's not that you are trying to limit my choices. It becomes a challenge of let's put our heads together so that we can deliver the outcome you want. But of course, because we both want you to be happy and safe, how do we do it in a way that works, you know? And I'm not, I'm not ruling any option out. Let's just look at them. Let's honestly see does these work or not? Because we both want them to work. We just figure out one that actually does. And in a vacuum, that's awesome. But then when you introduce peer pressure
1: from friends and of course. all, that,
0: it's gonna. This is I am. Oh, it but, is the hardest thing in the world. That's why it's a delicate dance because you have to play first you have to build trust. Yeah. Where you have to do it early enough in situation where you don't have all the other pressures where you build up a winning record. It's like, hey, you see that you were happy that day and we worked (laughs) out and I was happy. I didn't give you shit and you got what you wanted. We are a good team. You saw that we won, quote unquote, time one, two, three, four, five. So in this case, if we're not seeing eye to high Cut me a little slack, just cut me a little slack on the fact that we have a winning record. Listen to me a tiny bit extra on this. And it's a little easier if we have a record before it. So, you know, stuff like that, of course, is not nothing is the, there is, I like what the self-help books like to tell you, there is no simple Follow these easy seven steps and everything is going to be okay, you know? However, there are strategies that work better than others. The hardcore, I say no, because I'm your parent tend to only breed people wanting to go behind your back. Nobody's going to listen They are going to listen now because they are afraid that otherwise you whack them on the head, but they are not actually going to listen for you for real. You're not teaching them anything because they will eventually just get smart and figure out a way to do it without you knowing that's not a process that works. That's uh, at most, you get a short term win and you really lose big long term. So the game to me is how do we build a process that delivers results consistently? That's, you know, in a Daoist model, the harsh, this is my load, this is what we do because I'm your parent, is an excessively yang approach. Use too much force. You probably get what you want, but... You're planting the seeds for future defeats. You're going to have
1: a ninja around the house very shortly. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> where that's exactly how it is, right? Whereas the yin approach is not opposing force. is not fighting on it, is in this case, what could be a hostile relationship, turn it into a team relationship. Again, easier said than done, but if you play your cards right, it increases the odds that that process will work better over time. It increases the odds that that person actually learns something so that even when you're not around to tell them, do this, this, and that, they will actually have an internal process that's more functional where they know how to make healthier decisions for themselves. But well, That's
1: the real, that's what you want more than anything is when you're not around. Exactly. That there's a set of you know, pre-existing patterns yep.
0: that they will most of the time follow because they were taught the right way. And it's a lot easier if the person is not feeling this, uh, good, evil, I should do this, but I really want to do that. It's just they are used to a process where they think it freely, where there are no set boundaries. I mean, of, it should uh, never be good or evil. It's just like, what is good for you? you
1: know? Exactly. What,
0: yeah. What are the safe choices for you? Exactly. It's like, we want you. Jesus
1: doesn't want you doing that. Yeah, oh, now there's...
0: That's not going to work very well. That creates this split inside of people of this internalized shame and yet goes against the guilt. Totally. But then at the same time, you really, really want that one thing. So you have this internal conflict. It's screwed up. It doesn't work well. Whereas a very open approach they say, look, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Let's just do it so that at the end of the day, you're happy and safe. That's it. That's all. You know, I don't anything else. Anything that you can do being happy and safe, I'm a fan of. Let's do it. You know, I'll help you. But... Now go do the dishes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that becomes, and I find that useful in everything. You know, in most situation, you know, there is the occasional chance. And Taoist would be the first to tell you that occasionally you have to fight. Even though they're very anti-war, they do acknowledge that there is the case when you have to do it. But that should be the beyond the last possible option where you really have figured that nothing else is going to work because there are so many better ways to make things work where you can create a situation where people are on the same team suddenly rather than fighting against one another that it's amazing the way it transforms dialogue. You know, it's it's crazy how much people don't, we're not used to playing that game And yet it changes everything. You do this in a relationship. You do this with your kids. You do this with, like, if I'm somebody's boss and, you know, my worker is all pissed off because they are tired and they work long hours and they don't, don't spend enough time at home and their kid was born not so long ago and they would like to see them a little more. Like, you know what? I don't care that you're at work 40 hours a week or 50 or 60. I care that this stuff gets done. So if you can get this done for me, I don't need to see you for the next three weeks. Just go to the beach with your kids as long as you somehow find the time to make sure that the projects that needs to be done is done and is done well. But then if what helps you be, and it's weird how much oddly more productive people are when you're actually on their side, when you're like, dude, I understand you want to see your kid. I get it. Go see your kid. But remember, I need this stuff done and I need it done well. So how can we get both? How can, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not telling you be here 40 hours a week. I'm with you. How do we do it? How can we make it happen where I'm happy and you're happy? You know, that changes the dynamics completely. And, um, I'm not, I don't think it's just some stupid hippie thing to think that it can work. I think that in most contexts it can deliver bad results. Occasionally there's the the time when it doesn't, you know, where no, there isn't enough time to uh, do both things. Sorry. And now we got to pick and we have to figure out what's more important. But most of the time there is a way to do things, even when it doesn't seem like there is, and so that's my Taoist approach to parenting, but it's really isn't kind of a Taoist approach to everything else. Parenting is just one specific example. Well, no one. Pops up from their deathbed to say, I wish I'd worked more. Right. It's like exactly one, which is why I think I did have at one point. I had a boss at, uh, UCLA. I was working in a tutorial lab. She was awesome. Cause she had this attitude of like, look, if students are happy, I don't give a crap how much you're working or what you're doing. As long as they're all happy and their grades are going up, that's all I care about joints being handed out in class. It's like their approach was, I do not care how many hours you you get paid whatever you want to get paid okay the hours you claim are the hours you have done as long as the result is delivered so you can do up to i don't know 20 hours a week at this part-time job if you work 12 and you claim 20 i don't care as long as the result is there and i was like this works really damn well makes me want to make sure that the students are happy and their grades are going up And I get what I want by, you know, not working so damn hard at the job I hate. So I'm like, suddenly I like this job a lot more, (laughs) you know? It's strange that we don't do this as much. It's not that hard of a concept. And I think it can deliver much better results in just about every field.
1: Well, it's really going to be important as, you know, those automated jobs where you can't just do it at your speed or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like when you're sitting on a damn assembly line, just laying bolts onto something you have to be present you can't not be there but those are the
0: jobs that will be gone They will disappear quickly yes so yeah it's going to require a whole different management style so check that out here is a moment of a different approach that we can try to definitely to raise in your kids but really to probably everything else
1: Fucking music means that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Tows podcast. I um, uh, my cat died last week. That's not good. No, but he was like sixteen, so it's okay. a long life for a cat. Understood. But uh, he he literally pulled the whole like grand mall. Ah, dead. It was pretty, really crazy. dramatic. Oh man, it was like after a day or two, just slowing down. Yeah,
0: just slowing he, down. Just said oh, he just had yeah, the death scream,
1: one last just giant yelp. Wow. Damn. Massive seizure. And this is from a, a creature that had pretty much just been curled up and you know right. slowing down. So it was very dramatic. Freaky. And just literally dead. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's hardcore. <laughs> it
1: was hardcore. i
0: happy, though. you guys were thinking where you're having a shitty day, it is retrievers for you. Yeah, wait.
1: man. Well, you know, it, it just brings up a lot of things. It's amazing. Like, these creatures seem to live a, a length of time that definitely leaves a big mark on your life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not that... Massive of a chunk on reflection. Sure, it's a good bit, but it's amazing how they come and go. Yeah. So we talk about North and planted him.
0: Oh and yeah, you said. Put avocado tree on top of him. That's always good. An avocado cat hybrid. That's yeah. great. it to be delicious. <laughs> the, <laughs> the happy note. <laughs> Shall we say thank you to the sweet folks who donated? I would definitely say thanks to them. Why don't we do that? Let the pottering begin. Thank you to Joshua Krupicki, Alexander Kuzner, Jonathan Waterloo, Maurizio Mezzatesta, Stephen McKee, Robert Primos, Aaron McLaughlin. You guys are awesome. Thank you so, so very much. Uh, uh, amazingly similar list. Uh, yeah, I think one person was different, but... Um, yeah, these guys. some of these guys are troopers. They donate every time. They well, are on a monthly recurring thing. And
1: I could never complain at all because the folks that have joined us, we're going to have 200 members in Team Kiva. Yeah, that's sweet. And it's going to be $75,000 probably awesome. by the next time we see each other. And that's amazing. No, so that is amazing. All you guys, that's a lot of loans and it's a lot of help. And Very you know, sweet. it's just amazing. Shows the power of podcasting. Sweet.
0: I like that. <laughs> The um, thank you, of course, to our sponsor on it. that Susara and Shore Design. As I you heard it at the beginning, you know the drill. Check out their websites. Um uh, see if you like anything. If you can buy something from them, that's sweet, because they sponsor us. But of course, I'm not telling you to buy something that you don't need, just if uh in case it's something that's good for you. Having said that, what else? We have uh Korakao chocolate. Uh, if you guys are in the market for chocolate, those guys have been sweet to us in the past. So you might as well check them out. There's a link in the episode notes. We have, of course, the Dawes lecture series to check out. We have the please, please, please use our Amazon link. Anytime you shop on Amazon, it helps us a bunch. Doesn't cost you an extra dime. If you are in a creative mood and you feel like writing a review for us on iTunes, that's always appreciated. And of course, there's our badass t-shirts, four of them, one better than the next. So if you want to get some of them, that would be a sweet thing. Anything else that we need to mention or... I think everybody's covered. Daisy house. We're good. Daisy house. Of course. Daisy house. Thank you for the badass tea music that we got virtually iconic at this point. Yeah. Since we are recording in a odd order and we don't know. Are we, what do you think? Have we played already Sainko Nanchilak's song before or are we putting it now at the end of the episode? I think we probably have had a taste already because that would
1: be very much like me, but let's Mm. just play it all the way out at the end. Let's do that. Here it comes.
0: I don't want to hear this. No, you don't.
1: <laughs> in questo caso in questo caso le provvidenza
0: di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead.
1: <laughs> this was great. <laughs> Fucking awesome.
0: And I love this campsit. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been We're having, all having all a great hour nice. here got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're oh, outro. Oh, we're out Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and? Uh, uh, your accent—it just whatever that movie is—you were trying to tell can me. Can you translate for me, please?
1: I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. Tombstone.
0: Just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to
2: work.